Hello friends, and welcome to another episode of Bat Flips and Maple Dips. My name's Clayton Croker, coming to you from uh, Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, obviously. Uh, Justin Anderson, also coming to you from Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. He's like two feet away from me. Uh, joining us via the Skype machine, we've got Patrick Marsh in the Maritimes. Uh, you all recovered from Hurricane Dory in there, bud? Yep. Yeah, I'm feeling better than I was earlier today. Uh, look, came all down with something, but uh, you know, it's been raining uh, for most of the week, uh, but uh, it's nice and cool, and I like that. Did they get the crane off the street yet? Um, last time I was by that area, it was still blocked off, but Jeez. I mean, they got to cut it into pieces to yeah. get rid of it. That's crazy. But it's bananas. I'm surprised no one made a parody account uh, <laughs> for the crane. Just there's a lot of jokes to be made, especially about uh, like flaccid. Uh, <laughs> Go yeah, on. No, yeah, guys. no. Yeah. Your first thought of the jokes is the uh, the old flaccid jokes. Eh? <laughs> yeah. That's what my mind goes to. <laughs> um, by the way, today's episode is brought to you by Sask Milk because uh, they gave us a bunch of ice cream sandwiches to give away uh, for radio promotion stuff, and they gave us way too many. So we have like 300 ice cream sandwiches in the freezer at work. I'm having one right now, so it's delightful. Shout out. Shout out to Sask Shout Milk. Shout out to Sask Milk. Why not? Uh, we're talking a little bit about the Jays today. We'll talk a little bit about the playoff race coming up as well. Uh, we're going to give a little bit of a spotlight to two Jays guys that really deserve it as well because we kind of went away from doing who's hot, who's not because it was honestly just depressing because who's, who's not? Man, it was basically just who's not, no one's hot. But uh, a couple guys are getting back on that hot list. We'll go over it for a little bit. Uh, first, though, some Jays news here. Um, Tim Meza. Missing the 2020 season with Tommy John sucks for him. I mean, the Tommy John surgery is like the ACL surgery in football. You know, yeah. that's the big one. That's the one that really uh, you've really got to battle back from. Um, Justin, do you see Tim Mazin making a full recovery, though, and pitching for the Jays again? The guy's 27, so he's not super old. He's a lefty. Um, he's got value. I mean, the way this the way the surgery has come since the, its inception is that it, it's it's advanced a lot. Like yes, the recovery time is lots, but lots of times you'll see these guys, like Ryan Barucki, who have surgery like it, during their senior year of high school or during their college years, and then they make a full recovery and mm -hmm. they and they go on to have long successful careers. Um, with with the older guys, it's a little bit tougher, but I I don't see Tim Meza being too happy by this it's going to be a, a long window of recovery for him hopefully he can be ready in time for 2021 that'll be the year well the jays are going to need him probably to be a, a contending team and we'll need him in the bullpen so hopefully he can make that full recovery patrick you have a little bit more insight on this maze injury hey uh i don't know if i have a little more insight i just don't know if i'm as optimistic as justin is about maza his recovery and his value when it comes to the jays it's not that I want to see him not succeed. It's just that, man, he's missing the rest of this year and all of 2020, and there's not exactly a precise timetable for a 2021 return yet. Obviously, it would be great. Uh, I was a big fan of what Tim was doing last year. This year, he has struggled mostly because I think he's been asked to do more than what he was capable of, but that's kind of a theme that we see in the bullpen this season. Um, I thought he was older 
than what he actually is. I thought he was like 29, 30, and then I thought, well, he's definitely, this is definitely going to hurt his career. Um, but I'm, I don't know, I talked to Justin about it a little bit, and I'm a little less worried than what I was before, but Justin said it himself. Um, relievers are a dime a dozen, so... It, if he recovers, great. If he doesn't, there's going to be, you know, 11 other players to fill his spot. So, I mean, here's hoping that he recovers. That's the thing that sucks about professional sports is that one guy's injury is another guy's opportunity. And the guy who takes that opportunity, you always kind of feel bad about it because you're like, man, like... Usually you bond with the guy who's in front of you, like especially yeah. in football, hockey, baseball too. You bond with that person who's ahead of you on the depth chart because you're always at practice with them. You're always taking ground balls with them, fly balls with them. And then when they get hurt, you're like, oh yeah, now is my chance to shine. But also it's like... It's bittersweet, uh, right? You know, it's just such a bittersweet kind of thing. Um, me personally, I think Tim Meza is going to have a cup of coffee with a couple other teams and then probably pitch with the Winnipeg Gold Eyes or something like that right later on in his sunset. career. Get off in the old independent leagues and ride off into the sunset. But, I mean, he's had, what, three or four big league seasons. He's made millions of dollars. Good on him. Good on him. Um, Kavon Biggio hitting for the cycle. More on him a little bit later, but third Blue Jay... In franchise history to hit for the cycle. And and as uh, I might have been a rash when Danny noted on Twitter, the first two um, guys used a, a double that they stretched into a single on their last uh, <laughs> their last hits to get the cycles. His was actually, he had a triple to get his. And yeah, so his was actually really a, a true cycle, not just something that guys were like, oh, I'm just going to stop at first base and take the cycle. It's weird that the cycle doesn't happen more often. It's just the, the triple is the hardest one. Mm-hmm. Because you got to hit it just in the right spot. But like three guys in Blue Jay history, yeah, have hit for the cycle. I think that's real low. But then yeah. I was start. I started to look at other teams and how many cycles they have, and it's not that many either. Like it doesn't happen too often. I used to think, okay, the cycle, whatever, got four hits. That's a great day. But it's tough to get four different hits when, in one and game. And when you think that there's nine guys at that at minimum every game, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and there's 162 games per team per year. That's a lot of at bats that. A lot of games, a lot of opportunities, and it just doesn't happen yeah. very often. Hey, guys, do you want to hear a really interesting and weird uh, stat when it comes to the cycle in MLB? I don't think Justin has ever said no to a weird stat in his life, so, of course. No comment. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd uh, love to. So what would you guys guess is the record for most cycles hit by a single player in their career? Four. I'm going to go two. You are both wrong. The answer is three. Uh, It was done by four different players, the latest of which was Adrian Beltre, uh, who is definitely going to get into the Hall of Fame ASAP. Uh, And actually, I have one one more uh, thing. Uh, Actually, two more things to throw at you with regards to the cycle. The first one is uh, how many players do you think have hit for the cycle in both the National and American League? Like in in total, yeah. Total players or total cycles? No, no, no. Uh, pl- like total number of players who have okay. hit for the cycle in both the national and American. Oh, I'm gonna say none. Two. 
The answer is three. <laughs> John Olerud is one of them. Hey, John Johnny O. So is uh, Bob Watson and Michael Kadire. Hmm. And the last little piece of trivia with regards to the cycle, because we're never going to talk about this again. Uh, how many family pairs have hit for the cycle? Okay. It's two now. Give, that one's two. I'll give you a hint. Craig and Kavan Biggio makes it at least one. I'm going to say one. It's two. It might be Griffey it's and two. his dad. It's two. It's two. You're both wrong. Damn. The correct answer is three. <laughs> Why is there it? are three family three. pairs have hit for the cycle. Gary and Daryl Ward, father and son. Father and son, Craig and Kavan Biggio. And grandfather and grandson, Gus and David Bell. Huh. David Bell's grandpa played in the big leagues? That's cool. I, I know. That's weird, isn't it? The more you know. Yeah, so that's kind of... How do you guys cool. like stats? I, I'm How sorry. How do you not like I just, stats? Oh, my God. How can you not be romantic about stats? <laughs> it's pretty I've got, easy. I've got one more cycle. One oh, more. boy. Okay, one, one more. We'll you said two, this. and you've got... I think it was like six now. Yeah, you might hit <laughs> for many, the cycle when many, it comes to cycle trivia. How, how many cycles have been hit in MLB postseason history? Is it three? If it's three, I'm <laughs> fucking swear to leaving. God. If it's three, I'm leaving. <laughs> nope. Just one, and it was Brock Holt last year against the new york yankees oh yeah game three of the alds i remember that now yeah okay i know it's pretty amazing yeah most one of the most overrated players brock holt brock i remember when he came up everyone was so obsessed with him because remember when he uh sang the halo theme song in the shower yeah exactly that was kind of cool hold on i know i said that was the last one there's one more i'm so mad how many cycles have been hit in the entire history of mlb what's your best guess I'd say 78. 57. Uh, you're both wrong. The correct answer is 330. Oh. Okay. More threes. Three. Great. Awesome. Three, three. Yeah, that's why I wanted to do that one. We will never talk about the cycle like that ever again as long as the show is going. I'm sorry. Don't Thank make promises God. you can't keep. Patrick. Yeah, that was. Oh. <laughs> Uh, more Jay stuff here. Uh, Gritch Daddy. He's had six home runs this month, four in the past seven games. Classic Gritch, just turning it on yeah, right up, when he needs to. Up to 29 home runs now. Everyone's questioning him. Oh, can Gritchick be the guy? Can he live up to his contract? And then he just goes on a tear at the end of the year when nothing matters. And it's like, oh, yeah, we got to keep this guy. He's killing it. When is Randall Gritchick going to put together a full season? Is it going to be next year, guys? Like, Patrick, do you, like, always next year. Like, can you deal with the Rand- Randall Gritchick roller coaster? Do you enjoy it? Do you hate it? Or Actually... I'm not surprised whatsoever, and the reason why is if you go all the way back to March and we were talking about expectations for Randall Gritchuk, we all agreed that him hitting 240, 30 home runs, and 80 RBI would be perfectly acceptable from Randall Gritchuk. He is almost on par with those exact numbers, so this is not a surprise, although I will say Gritchuk is kind of like the Alex Smith of baseball garbage time he's just he's getting in those stats uh, right at the last minute to make it seem like it mattered but it does not matter i love that comparison by the way that's good i don't know his actual defensive stats because again don't really care um but he has looked pretty good in the outfield yeah the thing Randall Gritchick has the same uh issue for me as as kevin pilar where he, where he makes catches but he doesn't he makes catches on the balls that he gets to right but he makes the catch. Yeah. Again, I hate this conversation. Well, he doesn't take the right path to the ball. Well, does he get to the ball? Not yes. all the time. 
<laughs> he catches the balls he gets to, which isn't all of them. He has a negative defensive rating, but that's all I'm going to say. I won't bore you. Thank you. Thank just, you very that's much. That's just for you, Clayton. But again, it's just the way that he it looks like he plays defense. He made a nice catch yesterday. Again, on paper, it's like, oh, okay, well, he's got the negative defensive whatever. But just watching the actual game and watching him play defense, he looks like a natural out Yeah, there. I just want to – I know Patrick and I were talking about this too with Gritchuk. <laughs> we kind of uh, thought if we could get 30 home runs out of him and have him hit around 240 with about 80 RBIs, we'd be doing well this season. If he could do that every year. Yeah, he's, he's in 234 with 29 homers and 72 RBIs. So he's kind of right along the lines of where, he, where we thought he'd be. Um, so, yeah, good for us for getting that one right. Again, he's never been an average guy. He's always been a streaky kind of power hitter. Yeah. And um, man, He's when been he's... an average guy overall. Yeah. He's a player value. But, yeah, it's he's not a negative player. He's not a positive player. He's just kind of there. For what we're paying him and for yeah. the fact that we have him for four more years after this four year. Four more years. I'll take that. Four more I'll years. totally take that because we're not, like, grossly overpaying Randall Gritchick. No. He's he's got a pretty good contract, which I think is good for him. And if we want to trade him, it's a yeah. good trade piece as well. Ten million a year. Yeah, that is what it is. It's a baseball yeah. deal. Exactly. Um, let's talk about the future because that's the best thing going for us. Yeah. Uh, Nate Pearson's the tenth best prospect in baseball right now. Yeah. Which is man, he just shot up those rankings. Yeah, it helps when uh, guys ahead of you like Bo Bichette graduate prospect status too. That's what happens at the end of the year. Those those guys that are at the top. Uh, Top five or so, mm. they usually move up into the big leagues in September, and they play out there at bats. And yeah, good for him. It's great to have another ten, a uh, top ten prospect, and third best pitcher in the, in the minor league systems. So it's good stuff. Patrick, I'll ask you this: um, If Nate Pearson keeps getting better and keeps pitching the way that he has been, do we expect to see him next year? Not just during the September call-ups, but even before. No, we'll see him in the September call-ups. There's no reason to rush him. He just. He's coming off of a major injury, uh, if I'm not mistaken. And yeah. as great as he had uh, in a season in the minors, he needs to be built up with regards to his innings. That's why he was shut down immediately when the, the AAA season was over. Uh, there's no reason to rush his developments uh, because we just don't have enough pitching. We, and why would we bother burning uh, a year of eligibility? I guess maybe it would end up getting burned next year, wouldn't it? If Not we necessarily. Called he would, it, it would depend how much you would pitch in the next season and that kind of thing too, right? His clock would start when they call him up, but it's all about uh, total time on a roster, active roster. Yeah, so I don't I don't know. I, I think he'll be a September call-up, maybe an August call-up. I don't know. Maybe they don't care about eligibility or, or time constraints, but... There's no reason to rush him. He needs to log as many innings as possible uh, while he develops. Yeah, he pitched 101 and, and two-thirds innings this year, so uh, he needs to be somewhere on that 160 mark in the big league season probably, uh, hopefully over a full course season, maybe closer to 200 if he can make 30 starts. Um, so, yeah, I, I think if we do see him, like you said, Patrick, I agree, it'll be in September next year. The Jays will try and build him up to be able to pitch 130, 140 innings over the full season next year. And then in 2021, they'll turn him loose and let him do whatever the hell he wants. I just don't so. want to wait, though. I know it sucks, right? But but with him, he, he missed. He, he last in 2018, he threw one and two thirds innings, right? Because he got hit in the forearm with that line drive and yeah. broke that bone. So he didn't pitch at all in 2018. Um, he threw some Arizona fall ball, I guess, in 2018. But uh, it'd be nice to see him have another. He had a full healthy season this year. It'd be nice to see him do that again next mm-hmm. year, um, because this is really the first full year of Nate Pearson that we got to see his potential. And boy, did he ever show it off. So um, it's going to be another one of those things where uh, Jays fans will have to be a little bit more patient with this one just because it's not like a Vladdy or, or a Bo or, or 
or Biggio where they were holding them back for service time reasons for a lot of the time. Um, of course, with Bo, he did get hurt too. But this will be more of a, a workload management thing, a load management, a Kawhi Leonard term. Let's say the Jays are in it halfway through the season. Not just in the wild card, but we're going for the division. And we're playing real good baseball. Our youngsters are killing it, mm-hmm. but we're having pitching problems. You might and see our it. rotation isn't good. Would you call them up then? Yeah. Like two months into the season, I'm saying. I would. I would. If Patrick? the Jays are in the race, why not? I mean, if we're in the race two months into the season, that's way too early to be making that kind of call. I I say no matter what, maintain the, the firm line that he needs to increase his inning count, and there's no reason for him to do it in MLB because otherwise he'll have to go through the same kind of pains that Trent Thornton went through, and we obviously learn from experience that's not the best way to develop a player. So I say no matter what happens next year, don't call him up until late in the season. Even if we are having a problem with pitching, let's trade some of our shortstop prospects to get some pitching help. We have enough of them. They can't all play shortstop. So it's going to be a real crowded infield. At some point, we got to figure out whether or not Groshans is going to move to third, move to first, move to second, whatever. Uh, Kevin Smith, he had a pretty good uh, minor league season. All these guys can't all crowd at shortstop. They can't all be on the field at the same time, at the same position. So trade them, get some pitching help if we're in that kind of, you know. If we're competing next year, I don't see why we don't do that and pull the trigger because obviously that means the window is open for us to compete. One thing before we get to the playoff race that Justin wanted to talk about, Mm -hmm. um, again, it's fun watching the kids play, but we haven't really seen a lot from Alford. And we haven't really seen a lot from Teoscar Hernandez. Yeah, we've seen a lot of Teoscar, but we haven't got a lot out of him. Mm-hmm. And um, Alfred has th- uh, three hits and 12 at-bats this season. Mm-hmm. So so more Alfred, less Teoscar. Less Teoscar, less Derek Fisher. Maybe less Randall Grichuk down the stretch, too, so we can let these kids play. We'll see what happens there. Um, if, if Randall Grichuk was playing poorly, we'd see less of him. But, oh, yeah, but, but you but he's, can't he's on a, Yeah, you can't say when he's on a tear. No, you can't say. Uh, so, yeah, but, I mean they got to find a way to get these guys in the lineup. I know they have like eight outfielders on their roster right now, so you can only put three of them in in a game unless mm-hmm. somebody else is going to play a different position. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, I get it, but at the same time, it's like, why do we keep starting the same three guys in Fisher, Tio, and Gritchuk when we could be sitting Fisher and putting Alfred in instead? They're on the roster. There's no reason not to. It just seems weird <laughs> that Alfred's September. not getting that playing Yeah, time. normally we think they'd let these kids play in September, but... They are not. Especially so. in the position we are. Maybe they just don't want to hit that 100 loss mark. Maybe it's just a pride kind of thing. I, think I mean, they, it's I, probably I think we not. Have to, I think we have to win four of our last like 12 games to not hit the 100 loss mark. I think they're at 90 losses right now. It's pretty tough for 91. us to win. 91 losses. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, that's very doable for the Jays to reach that 100 loss <laughs> it's mark. It's doable. We could go 4 and 12. Very doable or, for this uh, team. 4 and 8, sorry. Or 4 yeah. and 9, whatever it is. Three We're not nine. good at math. Whatever. 3 and 9. Yeah. yeah. 2 and 17. Whatever. <laughs> that's 12, right? Yeah, sure. <laughs> I don't care. Whatever. It's just throw some random numbers. Um, let's talk about the Playoffs. playoff race, shall we? Playoffs. Um, when it comes to the Central Division, because, again, the East done in the American League, um, the Twins and the Indians almost done as well. Are you calling this one, Patrick? Like, are you saying that the Twins have the division right now? Or do you think Cleveland can still creep up and get it? It's possible, but the Twins have a much easier schedule. If you look at both teams' final 11 games, the Twins have one against the White Sox, four against the Royals, 
two in Detroit against the Tigers, and then three in Kansas City against the Royals. That's a cupcake schedule. They hmm. should be able to roll through most of those uh, games uh, with some Ws. The Indians have to play the Tigers twice, the Phillies three times, the White Sox three times in Chicago, and then three against the Nationals on the road. Both the Phillies and the Nationals absolutely have to win every game possible. Uh, we'll talk about them a little bit later in the show, but the Indians have the tougher schedule. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to call it, but it's getting pretty close. The Indians are running out of runway. I just want to throw one thing out here. Isn't it weird that the uh, Indians are finishing with an interleague series in a National League Park? They have to, they have, to have their pitcher bat in that series, yeah. too. That's kind of yeah, a weird way to finish a season, I was doing some research right? on that, and it didn't make a lot of sense uh, when I was looking up all the teams and who they had to play going down the stretch. It's really it's fucking really, confusing. That's really weird that they would finish like that. I mean, yeah. normally you finish off against a division rival. Mm-hmm. Like you've got the Twins playing the Royals. Uh, you would you would think they'd almost move that White Sox series for the for the Indians to the end of the season, but yeah, that's I I didn't notice that when I was looking through the sheets this afternoon, but that's a strange way to end a year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good luck to them. In the uh, National League, again, only one division really has a race, but it's a good one. Mm. Um, in the Central, the Cards, the Brewers, and the Cubs. Uh, the Cards lead the Brewers and the Cubs both by uh, two games. The, we kind of wrote the Brewers the off. Brewers won't die. We kind of were just like, oh, fuck the Brewers. Brewers are, they're playing good baseball. <laughs> Sometimes when that happens, though, when like a star guy goes down and everyone's like, oh, it's over. Everyone else just rallies and is like, we got to do it, not just for us, but they do it for the star player because they know Yelich wants to be in there so, so badly. They're probably dedicating the rest of the season to Yelich. Mm-hmm. And then the Cubs are just kind of sitting there, too. Like, who takes this division, Justin? Man, I'm, I'm going to go with the Cardinals at this point. They've looked pretty good over the last little while. I mean, they're they're five and five in their last ten, which Patrick will be quick to note. But they do have the lead right now, so it's theirs to lose. And they have good pitching staff. I Patrick, like who's team. taking this division? Jesus, I have no idea. To be honest with you, it could be any any of them. Although, I wouldn't bet against the Brewers. They're it's almost like they're spitefully fighting for their lives, and they're doing a really good job. Um. If you look at everybody's schedules, um, eh, they all have 11 games left. The Cardinals had to play the Nationals once, which was today, uh, which ended with a St. Louis win, uh, which is really bad for the Nationals. Um, the Brew, or Then they have to play the Cubs uh on the road for four and then they have to play uh the diamondbacks on the road for three and then they play three at home against cubs in the finals there are seven games between the cubs and cardinals and their final 11 games i very strongly recommend that everybody watch every single one of those games because they are going to be equal or if not more intense than playoff games because every single one of those games is a must win for both teams and that's that's just going to make for some great baseball. I say that the Cubbies are going to beat up on the Cards. I think the Cubbies are going to just turn it on for playoff season. The Cubs are such a veteran team. And like if they can get to the playoffs, they're going to be a dangerous team. I think the Cubs are going to beat up on the Cardinals. Milwaukee is going to kind of stay the course and get the wild card. I, don't know, I think St. Louis might miss the playoffs in general. 
It's a bold strategy. Can you imagine Brian. if say like because their schedule is pretty tough. Well, and, and the Nationals, the Cubs, the D backs, and the Cubs. Look at the Brewers schedule. The Padres, the Pirates, the Reds, yeah, and the Yeah, That's Rockies. a gravy schedule. Like the Brewers have a very easy schedule. The Cards, they're gonna get beat up down the stretch here. The Nationals are gonna give them a tough time. Yep. The D backs are a pesky team. And again, the Cubs, who I mean, they're chasing them. That's gonna be man. I could see the Cardinals having an epic collapse. It's probably not going to happen because I'm never right, but I would love to see the St. Louis Cardinals just crash. Does this burn. come down to the last day of the season? I'd say second it last. Might. The division second last? Wild card maybe last day? Wild card will definitely come down to the last yeah, day. We'll, we'll uh, let's talk about the wild card, shall we? The American League wild card, that second spot's getting interesting. Again, Oakland has the lead, and then Tampa and Cleveland basically neck and neck. Cleveland's half a game back at Tampa right now. Those are the three teams. Everyone else is basically done. Thank goodness Boston is out. Mm-hmm. Again, I'm asking you guys the same question. Hate to sound like a broken record here, but who's taking the American League? Oakland and Tampa. And then Oakland's going to win the wild card game. Gotcha. Patrick? Man, last week you guys forecasted the Indians were going to get in, and I, and I said that would suck ass because Tampa's obviously the more exciting team. But Tampa's lost two games in a row, and the Indians have won two games in a row, and now everything is all frigged up. <laughs> and, like, I don't know exactly – I don't know what to think anymore because, like, all the teams we don't want to win are, are fucking winning, and all the teams we want to lose are losing. So, like, I don't know. The Diamondbacks won today. Uh, Oakland won today. Um and then obviously uh, St. Louis won today. The Mets won today. So it's just like this is just going to be a crazy finish yeah. to the season. But the Rays' uh, schedule is so difficult coming the Rays down the do stretch. Have a tough schedule. Dodgers, it's, Boston, yeah. Yankees, Jays. Well, they end with the Jays, so that's good for them. But I mean, yeah. the the Athletics play everybody who's under five hundred. Mm-hmm. Some bad teams. And like the Mariners are dump. The Angels are dump without Trout. No trout. Like and the Rangers aren't that good this year. Yeah, like it's Oakland's to lose. If oh. Oakland blows this. Good news is we just hit our Mike Trout quota for the week. So there, that's we good. there we go. Yay. There we go. It was you this time. You snuck it in there. Yay. But again, yeah, if Oakland blows <laughs> this, like the thing is, Oakland's really good at home. And if they get that home playoff game, if they mm. can hold on, they get that home playoff game, they're great at home. They are. I can see Oakland winning it at home. I think whoever has the home advantage in the wild card in the American League is going to win. Usually it's home whatever. You know, it's not a big deal in baseball. Yeah. But uh, I think whoever has the home advantage there is going to win. When it comes to the National League, it's just as interesting. The Nationals have that one-and-a-half game lead over everyone. Uh, the Brewers and the Cubs are tied there. The Mets, Phillies, and I guess we'll count the Diamondbacks, but whatever. Uh, do they have a chance of catching the Brewers or the Cubs? I think the only team who's not in it that has a chance now might be the Mets. I th- I know we both picked the Phillies and the Mets mm-hmm. to get in, but I think the Phillies are done. The Mets just have that pitching staff. Strowman finally had a good game for them over the weekend. But the Phillies Mets have game, two maybe. games in hand against the Mets. That is true. So the Phillies have two games in, in hand, I think, against everybody. Yeah. And the good thing for the Nats is that they uh, they play the Phillies and, and then they also have one left against the Cardinals too. Um, so they have some they can if they can win some of those games they'll, they'll mm-hmm. gain ground on both of those teams. But the flip side, if they lose those <laughs> those games, then it changes everything completely. Whereas the Mets don't play anybody who's in this race, so they're yeah. relying on, they're, they don't control their own destiny here. The Mets have to be perfect down the stretch. They're relying on a lot of people. I I think like I I put in the this thing here. I think it's going to take about. Uh, 91 or 92 wins to get this NL wildcard berth, which would mean that the Mets are going to have to win like 13 or 14 games. I thought the Nationals were going to play a lot which worse down the impossible. stretch. Yeah, so. I thought I thought the Nationals were going to blow up 
but they haven't. Yeah. I don't know why I thought that, but like I just I just had a feeling that this was the Nationals' year to kind of just have a really really bad end of the season. But they mm-hmm. they're proving me wrong. They're playing great. Um, again, same question, Patrick. Who's taking the wild card? Uh, the Brewers are kind of screwing everything up for us i still think the nationals are good to go um again they have that five games set against phillies which includes a double header it might come down to who wins the, those double header games because mm-hmm. if it might be one of those situations where they're throwing everything they've got uh at the other team during that double header and then after that the next day they have another game so Boy, it's going to be really intense. The Mets did get the win today, which means they're three and a half back of the Cubs and Brewers. Um, we'll see what happens to the Cubs and Brewers tonight. Uh, it's bottom of the first uh, between Cincinnati and Chicago, 0-0. And the Brew Crew, I, they're, it's 0-0 top of the third against San Diego. So, I don't know, man. It, Jesus Christ. It's... <laughs> The Diamondbacks, it's funny because like last week I said the Diamondbacks are going to do this and then they just absolutely sunk their ship and they're going to be toast by the weekend for sure. They're not mathematically out of it yet, but they're on the cusp of it. I wouldn't count out the Mets yet, but then again, I said that about the Diamondbacks last week, so I feel like they're going to be the next team. Whatever you touch dies, Patrick Marsh. Exactly. So I'm going to call it now. The Phillies are going to get screwed. Uh, and I honestly, I think cream rises to the top. It's a macho man, Randy Savage quote. Come on. You guys don't remember that. It's also just science. So 1980s (laughs) wrestling. Oh yeah. Macho madness. Uh, the Cubs are the way better team than the Brewers. They're running on fumes. Yes. They've won four in a row, but look at their run differential. It's going to catch up with them, especially without Kirsten Yelich. Nationals. Cubs wild card. Yep. Yep. All right. Good talk. Um, who's hot? Who's not? It is back because we got two guys who are actually hot for like the first time in two months. I don't think we've done who's hot, who's not in a long, long time. Yeah, and we're not even doing not today. We're just going to go hot. That's wild because again, it has been the most depressing segment of this season. Like it's just sad. Before when you have a ninety-one lost team, things before, are bound to yeah, get before we recorded, be like, "Fuck, who's hot, who's not?" Oh <laughs> God, there's a lot of knots. Uh, but Kevon Biggio, we got to give him a shout out. Shout outs, yeah. I mean, like Patrick mentioned before with our with our cycle talk, he hit for the cycle yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, his last 30 games, he's hitting 260, 395 on base, 480 slugging percentage. That's a great OPS. And it's he's, great. He's stealing bases. He he's going. He's a perfect 13 for 13 to start his major league career and stolen base attempts, um, which is I think was the most in Blue Jays franchise history when he hit 11. So good for him. Um, and I mean, his on base percentage is amazing. He walks so much. Um, so I mean, yeah, I gotta give props to this guy. Um, I mean, we 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 saw him struggle a little bit. He's never going to be the the Bo Bichette where he's going to hit 300. He's going to be that guy who sits in that 250-260 range, but he's got pop, he's got speed, and he can get on base. So he's a great like sec or probably a third or fourth cleanup hitter I would say in his career. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's definitely turned the corner. Like he's he's hitting 230 and he's got the OBP of 361. He's playing great. It's yep. just man was he it just sucks when a when a prospect comes up and kills it and then just does so bad afterwards. <laughs> and you're like, okay, who's who's this? Who who are you really? 
You know, it's hard to judge right off the start when you're mm-hmm. like, man, this guy's going to be the next best thing for the Jays. And then it's like, oh, boy, maybe not. You know, oh, just boy. just find that consistency. And again, that he's a young baseball player. That's what's going to happen to every young baseball player. But I think you you hit the nail on the head. We're just going to get a consistent ball player. Yep. He's not going to blow anybody away. He's going to be like an Aaron Hill. He's going to mm-hmm. be just a solid baseball player, which is what we need. Yeah, because we, like we got that. enough stars. We got we got Bichette, we got Vladdy, we got the star power. We just need solid baseball it's players. Ni- like always Bichette. nice to have that left-handed hitter with power too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the lefty uh, the lefty factor in there is pretty good. Um, Kavon Biggio, you can gush about him all you want now, Patrick. Uh, actually, I want to throw back to you guys a question. Uh, Keith Law has been running his mouth on Twitter for some time now about Kavon Biggio. Um, there's a lot of rumor and innuendo about him being overrated. And what is Keith Law, what is he seeing that we're not seeing or, or or that we're in denial about that he would go so far as to just absolutely trash Kavan Biggio nonstop about his value, saying he's not worth a roster spot? Is this some kind of like secret conspiracy to get Kavan to go sign in Houston or something? This might be bad. I just don't... I've never heard of this Keith Law fella. Well, who is Keith Law? <laughs> I think he he's can a, tributes for the he's athletic. obviously a bad baseball writer, but I mean it's kind of blown my mind that you know, if he can hit 230 and have a 361 OBP for the year, that's pretty darn good. 361 yeah. OBP, you want that guy on your roster. Mm-hmm. And he had he played the entire season with us, he'd have 20 home runs and something very close to 20 bases stolen. That's a player that you want on your team. So I don't get why this guy is writing all this shit yeah i mean he's kevin's wrc plus is 112 so it's well above yeah. average and i mean his he walks 16 percent of the time in the big leagues which is what he did in the minors too he walked a lot he's gonna strike out but he's gonna get those extra base hits too um everything he does i mean not looking at for me looking at his stats right now nothing jumps out as being um statistically significantly like under or overperforming it just looks like he's gonna this is the type of ball player he is he's gonna hit in the the mid 200 level like somewhere between 230 and 260 for his career and and he'll walk a ton so i mean there's nothing wrong with it that's that's 2019 baseball you're gonna strike out you're gonna take walks and you're gonna hit home runs that's what we do now i'm just creeping this keith law guy's twitter first of all seems like a huge douchebag he's a homer um (laughs) in his little bio there joy removal machine fuck off like Oh my god! Like, and I'm just looking at his tweets too. He's a writer, and yet his grammar's horrible. He's using yeah. lowercase eyes. He's not starting sentences with capital letters. He's an old man. If you're gonna on be a writer and you have 475,000 followers on Twitter, get your grammar right. Like, set a good example, don't you? You either and so again, some of his tweets perfect grammar. Other ones not perfect grammar. You it's can't because have it's both. part of a subculture on Twitter Drunk where if you decapitalize everything, it, you're supposed to read everything with a certain amount of like. Uh, snark and sarcasm. <laughs> I know the rules and of Twitter. I'm on the Twitter. The Twitter. I know. I'm just saying, like the tweeters. He's just, it's it's like he has to. He kind of has to pick a lane. Either he's going to be one of these smart asses, or he's actually going to want to say stuff that matters. You got to pick a lane. You can't be both. Yeah, he's I trying to be and... all sarcastic guy, but also a serious baseball guy. You can't do that. You ruin all your credibility by doing that. We've already know. wasted way too much time talking about him and giving him a free, cheap plug on this podcast. So, Everyone uh, go unfollow Keith Law if you follow him. There you go. Do not follow him. <laughs> oh, he's my new enemy, man. Oh, 
man, this guy. On it's Twitter. that guy you don't follow, but you just search him just every once in a while just to like make yeah. yourself angry. Oh, and he's got a guitar <laughs> video too. Oh, he's got a video of himself playing guitar. All right, this is a waste of time. Mad. <laughs> Let's mad. talk about Trent Thornton. Yeah, Trent Thornton, the other guy we're featuring on the uh, Who's Hot, Who's Not yeah. here. Um, Patrick, gush over Trent Thornton for a bit. Well, uh, remember that time where Trent Thornton was having a terrible season and we were shitting all over him nonstop? Like the pigeons used to do on the Winston Churchill statue here in downtown Halifax. <laughs> well, how you doing, Trent? He's been really good the last two outings. Um, he's been following an opener. Um, I'm pretty sure both times it was Wilmer Font, but I could be wrong. Yesterday it was um, Ryan Tapera. Oh, really? Yep. Tapera is alive? Oh, that's great. <laughs> Fantastic. I can tell somebody has so, been watching Blue Jays baseball. <laughs> well, I mean, is there a reason to anymore? Yes. Uh, well, whatever. That's debatable. Uh, <laughs> is it a coincidence that he's been unhittable since Clay Buckholtz uh, helped him with his curveball? I would say no. Uh, it's not a coincidence. He's striking out guys at a crazy pace while also limiting the walks. He's clearly tapped into some sort of secret power um maybe he's kind of like the airbender except now he's like the baseball pitch bender i don't know oh jeez i'm sorry <laughs> I, I dug real deep for that you reference. need to apologize for that one i think i'll never Apologies. apologize for anything <laughs> oh nothing hey you're one of those guys <laughs> uh but justin what do you see in him right now based on his season's performance uh he's been way better the last seven starts is there something here or is he just an you know a decent hand for now. Yeah, so I, I watched. I didn't get to watch him last night. Uh, I, I caught uh, the, the ninth inning when, when Kevin got his triple, but I missed the majority of the game. I was out for dinner. Um, but I did watch his, his outing against Boston there last week when he went five uh, hitless innings and he struck out seven Red Sox batters. Um, yeah, it was great. I mean, he looked that curveball was looking really sharp, and it was really nice to hear that uh, a guy in Clay Buckles who has been having a terrible year with injuries and performance was able to help him out and, and give him some pointers. It, it kind of makes you almost want to resign Clay Buckles just because he, he's obviously got some, some sort of value to this team. He's a veteran guy and he's helping the youngsters out. But yeah, like you mentioned, he's, he's been able to limit his walks, which is really what was hurting him at the start of the year. He was, he would go through some series um, and some segments where he was just completely unhittable. And then he'd go through a couple other starts in a row where he'd walk like five guys in, in like three innings and get the yank. So hopefully this is uh this is the new Trent. Maybe he has to follow an opener. I don't know. Like this opener strategy seems to be there seems to be something there. I know Tapera gave up two runs last night, but he got through the order once, um, or well, got through six outs, right? Mm. And then you you throw Thornton in for five innings, and then you're in the then you're in the eighth inning. So well, I like it because it messes up the best batters in the lineup, mm. like the top three or maybe top four. Well, if you they get, get a that hit. reliever in there, right? Who's not afraid exactly. to throw gas for two innings, because so you know that's all he's got. You throw that uh, starter out for one inning, and then he hits. He pitches to the top of the order there. Yeah. And then the top of the order next time around, brand new pitcher. Brand new pitcher. And they they're not they don't have time to get used to another pitcher, and then maybe the next time another brand new pitcher. Yeah. It's not a bad strategy. The psychological aspect of it is definitely uh, mm-hmm. definitely merits some some discussion. I th- I think it's I think it's super smart credit to tampa bay for really pioneering that strategy with, yeah. when they had no starting pitchers last year like but, but when yeah I, when i played ball i would hate that i would hate going up against like if i was on deck and then all of a sudden they Pitching brought change. in a new pitcher i'm just like ah, you know i just spent five innings watching this guy pitch i'm getting used to his stuff i had two mm-hmm. at bats and they're gonna change him up like 
I have no idea what I'm doing getting into this at bat. I mean, I, you obviously have a scouting <laughs> report in your head, but you're still not used to seeing it. Even as an umpire, I hate that too because, you, like you said, if, especially if a starting pitcher is rolling, he just runs out of gas, and they yeah. got to bring this guy in, and, and they switch to a lefty or something, and it's just completely different. Changes everything. Yeah, it's not that bad of a strategy. Uh, with that. Um, we're going to put a bow on this uh, episode of Bat Flips and Maple Dips. Thanks for listening, whether that be on Anchor or iTunes or Spotify or Google Podcasts, TuneIn, Stitcher, or ever. We really appreciate it. Um, give us a follow on the socials, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all that fun stuff, at BFMD Podcast. Ask us some questions. Give us some reviews. We like your feedback. Why not? Um, for Justin, for Patrick, my name's Clayton. Uh, what is the goodbye song today, fellas? Who picked it? I just picked it a few minutes ago. It is Marvin Gaye, one of my favorite singers. I'd say he's top three all time. Uh, This has got to give it a beautiful song. See you next week. 